Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who is a Black American who sadly lost their life during the COVID-19 pandemic. I was inspired by the work of Zora Neale Hurston, author and anthropologist, to record the experiences of Black Americans in their own voices. My goal is to get my recordings into museums, such as the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture, or the Schomburg. So without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest today. My name is Usmanu Adamu. I am from the Bronx, New York. Um, yeah. Cool. And do you identify as Black or African American or Caribbean American? I am African American. Uh, parents were born in Ghana and they came to America in the 1990s and oh. been in America since. That's a, oh, so you're first generation American? Uh, not really, because I have five or four other siblings. <laughs> so, <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> Thank so. you. And I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, I'll just say, like, how we met at the, um, the forum, which is part of Columbia University. I met your professor. What class yeah. do you take with your professor? Um, it was um, Intercultural Communications at BMCC. Inter is Professor, did she go by Jill or Strauss? Yeah, Professor Jill Strauss. Yeah. Shout out to that professor. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> yeah, one of my faves. I'm so glad she invited, she said she invited her students there. Um, yeah. I'm so glad you're there. I'll just say I was there talking about my oral history project and I was saying that I, I wasn't able to interview many people in college. I think I interviewed one person who dropped out of college. So right. apparently that was common. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, uh, it's you, funny because yeah. I, I have a similar story like that, but mine was prior to, you know, COVID. So I was definitely, I wasn't in school during COVID or prior to that because of some, you know, academic issues. So I was, I was out of school for a while, you know, disappointing my parents, of course, but I'm back now. So that's all that matters. Exactly. What are you studying? Um, I'm a communications major. Oh, oh, this is great. Oh. <laughs> so you're like a naturally born gifted speaker. Uh, I'm not going to say naturally gifted, but I sure, I, I, over time, I learned how to speak properly. You know, um, I try my best. Well, I'm, I'm so excited to hear about what your life was like. And since now it's 2023, I was thinking we could just go year by year. I can't, I can't believe it's been like three years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So some people like to talk about 2019 before 2020. So mm -hmm. 
I'll leave it up to you. And you can either focus on living or working or going to school, or you can talk about all three, like whatever mm -hmm. you remember the most. But yeah, how about we start, do you want to start with 2019 or 2020? I'll start with 2019 because I feel like it would give a structure as to like what I was doing around the time prior to, you know, the big event, as we will call it. Um, yeah, 2019 was like, that was my first, I'm going to say my first year, like away from school, like officially. I stopped going to school like around 2018. And so 2019 was like my official first year of being away from like, higher education, quote unquote. So I was, you know, at, at that time I did have a job, but because I was going to school, like I had to like stop going, to, I had to basically make a decision, either go to return back to school or try to pick a job. And the job was overnight and I couldn't like balance that out. There was no way I could be able to do that. So I left that job and I returned back to school. And then that's when 2018 I left. And in 2019, I was just, trying I was just jumping to see like which job I could get I was just applying to like all these strange jobs and stuff and in 2019 I actually had a job at American Eagle oh. at on 34th street and oh. I was there for like a few months <laughs> I used to go to that one really yeah uh, yeah so you, you know how the American Eagle was it wasn't terrible it was good but I was a seasonal worker so I wasn't really like I didn't really have like a um, permanent position. It was just, all right, so we're hiring you for the seasonal position. But once the sun was over, depending on how well you're doing, uh, you either get a full-time position or part-time position. Or if not, they would just let you go, period. Mm -hmm. And at that time, they let me go. They were mm -hmm. just like, they're like, I didn't do it. There was, I believe the conversation was, yeah, um, you didn't do nothing wrong. We just can't keep you. <laughs> so I was like, all right. Like, I wasn't really upset about it. So I was just like, it looks like I might have to move on. But at that time, fortunate for me, I met a director through Backstage, which is an app for actors and stuff like that. And um, some history behind that. Um, once I actually got out of college twice. I left college, I left college in 2017 and I left in 2018. 2017, I went to school upstate. Uh, academic reasons, I ended up coming back. And at that time... I was out of school, like middle of the semester. So I couldn't just hop into another school and start school. It just wouldn't happen. So that, that like summer, I had to like work. And during that time, I was just so unsatisfied with what I was doing. I just didn't like the job I was doing. So I was like, you know what? People upstate were telling me I was funny. So I was like, let me just give this entertainment thing a try. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave it a try and um, um, Devon, one of the greatest guys who basically helped me get into like film and stuff. He reached out to me through backstage because he saw one of my videos on YouTube, which was so like, I look back at it now, it was so lame, <laughs> but he liked it. <laughs> like, I thought it was lame, but he liked it. And he was like, hey, you know, I have, I'm writing this film and I feel like you'll be perfect for this role. And I've never done a film before. I was never on set. And from there, he was like, hey, you know, like, I have this role for you. Um, and after that experience, I was just like, I was hooked. I was like, maybe this film thing might be for me. And so during 2019, that's what we we're doing. Um, we were meeting up, um, going over the script, 
and um, choosing dates for like when we're going to shoot the film and stuff like that. And we're able to shoot it. And I believe it was, I believe it was 2019 around November. Yeah, it was around November 2019 that we shot the short film. And it came out great. But however, due to some uh, post-production situations, like we weren't able to get it out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after that experience, I was just like, um, that experience on set, I was just like, you know what? I feel like I could, I could see myself doing this as a career, maybe. And then that's when, like, early 2020 came in. Um, at that time, like, we heard about COVID but we didn't know about it. Like, we didn't know, like, the extent of it. We just knew that, all right, there's this disease out there, and, you know, it's airborne. And um, I believe it was March where, I think it was late February, early March, where, don't quote me on this, because my brother was in high school at that time, and he just came home one day and was like, yeah, so we're not going to school for, like, two weeks. Mm-hmm. We're like, what? They're like, yeah, like, they said that, you know, for two weeks that, you know, like we're going to close down the school for like two weeks and we'll return after everything's going to be through zoom and it was like all right that two weeks turned to four weeks turned to like eight weeks and then ended up turning to like months just home and then it was just and it was like it was so weird because we live in new york new york is so known is known for being so loud mm. and it was just like it was just silence it was almost weird like it was deafening if that makes sense like I was, my siblings and I, we went to the supermarket one time and it was, it was weird. It was like, you could hear, you could hear a pin drop. And I was, I talked to my sister and I was like, you know, this is, this is weird. Like I've never seen it this quiet before ever. And she was like, yeah, but it's cause everybody's like, everybody's like afraid and everybody's inside now. And unless you were a, a essential worker, like you weren't leaving the house. So people like my dad at the time and my mom, they were essential workers and they had to go to work. That was in 2020. At that time, I wasn't working. However, in July of 2020, I did get a job. That's when um, I got a job. And it could have came at a perfect time because at that time, I believe my mom wanted a career change. She was a home health aide at first. And she she just wasn't satisfied. And she ended up like wanting, she ended up leaving her job. She didn't want to do it no more. So then at that time, I I had to pick up some of the slack. Me and my, my dad told me, like, hey, you know, hopefully you can find a job so I can pick up some of the slack. And that's what happened. And to this day, I'm still at that job. And oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not, I'm not really happy about that job, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not what I want, but it's good for now. Yeah. And that's basically wow. the timeline of 2019 to 2020. I have a question. Were you working in person or online? It was in person. I was working retail. Oh, it was I was a... Uh, oh, yeah. and they hired you during the pandemic to work in person? Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? It was, it was crazy because, like, oh, man. Where do I even begin? Because I was a fulfillment expert, so... You know that now that a lot of people weren't going into stores, a lot of people ordering online. Yeah. So we're the people who fulfill those orders. So if you order online, we're the ones who got to pick it. We're the ones who got to pack it. We're the ones who, you know, 
take it to uh, UPS on the loading dock for them and FedEx for them to take it away and deliver it to said customer. So that was quite a trip. And it's, man, you, you, I never seen a store be so empty. <laughs> like, like the way I used to see like um, Target was, like the shelves, like you would, like people order um, stuff like face masks and hand sanitizers and stuff like that, like Lysol. And man, you'll come in, like you will go um, pick the carts and you will see like most of them were gone. Like, cause everybody was hoarding them. Everybody wanted to buy in bulk and stuff like that. So it was rough. So yeah, it was definitely rough. But over time, like we were able to get some supplies, but we had to like limit them. Like, hey, you know, you can only take two or you can only take one just so it could be fair for everybody else to get some. Wow. So you're a fulfillment expert? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So did you have to wear a mask when you went? Yeah. And sorry, I gotta give Tari credit. They were they were um they did great providing us with masks. Like when we came in, they gave us like um they were there was um the disposable mask and they gave us like um the masks that were um reusable. Oh. And they, they had different versions. There was one that was like red and there was one that was black. There was one with like polka dots and stuff like that. Oh. Like they did they did they did well. They did well when it came to like um trying to keep everybody safe. And they made sure that downstairs where we worked that there was gloves, there were um wipes. Um they made sure we had they made sure there was disposable masks downstairs downstairs also. Um yeah, they made sure like everybody was like safe. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I guess I had to hire a lot of people since everyone was at home ordering online. Um, I, I think so. I mean, it was weird. Like my, um, like my orientation, there was only two people. It was me and some, someone else. So I'm not sure how much people they hired, if it was that many. Oh, but wow. Yeah. At that time, it was it was pretty brutal, and I ended up catching COVID. I'm not gonna say from Target, but I did end up catching COVID. I don't know from I don't remember from where, but I just knew that just one day I came home, I had a sore throat, and I was like, you know what? Maybe some ibuprofen will help. <laughs> you know, maybe the next day I feel better, and the next day I felt worse. Hmm. And ironically, we like once I got sick the same day, my mom was also sick. She wasn't feeling well either. Turned out we both had COVID. And then over time, my siblings ended up catching COVID. So around that, like that span of a week, everybody in the house had COVID. And it was, it was crazy. Everybody? And, so you have one brother or? Well, there's five of us, but uh, two, two of my siblings are older now. They have families. So it was me, my sister, and my younger brother my mom and my dad at the time. So we all caught COVID at that time. Wow, did you all have the same symptoms? Like, could you smell anything or taste food? No, I, I didn't taste anything or smell anything. Like I lost all of that. Mm. And it was frustrating because <laughs> my mom, it's weird because I feel like my mom, she, like her, her symptoms went away like quicker. After like two days, she felt like better. And she was able to eat like stuff. She was able to taste stuff. And she was making like some of my favorite foods, but I couldn't taste anything. So it was frustrating. 
And she was like, and then she would see that I was, she could tell I was visibly upset. And then she would be like, I understand, but you know, you still got to eat something. Like you can't, although you can't taste anything, you still got to eat. So it was very unfortunate. But yeah, the symptoms were very, I don't know, um, for my siblings, but for me, it was rough. Like at first, once, because we're Muslim, so my dad had to wake us up um, in the morning so we could pr- do our first prayers. And so when my dad woke me up that for the first prayer, like I was, I was, like I was in bad shape. Like I was, I was cold. My dress slept with the hoodie. <laughs> and like, we slept with the light off, but the hallway lights be on. So when he opened the door, I was sensitive to the light. I couldn't even like look up. I had to like take my hoodie and tie it and keep my head down because the brightness was too much. It, it almost it was almost giving me like a headache. If that make, like if it makes sense. Yeah. And I was just in bad shape. And after we were praying, like we came back to go to bed, and almost every forty five minutes, I could get enough to take a warm a hot shower because I was so cold. I had chills. So every forty five minutes, I just kept going in, taking a shower, hopefully um, praying that I would get better. And ironically, around like 11 a.m.-ish, that's when I had to have breakfast. So I was having breakfast. I had the chills. I started off having the chills. As soon as I took like a sip of tea and like a piece of a pancake, like I was drenched in sweat. It was like I would just finish working out. I was just completely drenched in sweat. And like my brother, my younger brother was looking at me like, like you went from being cold to like being in a pool of sweat, like what's going on? And I was just in terrible shape from there on. And and I also had to call out of work. <laughs> I had to tell my my job. I was like, hey, you know, and I was new. I was like maybe three, three months in. And I was like, hey, you know, like uh, I know I'm new to the job. I'm not supposed to be calling out like this, but I have to like, I have like COVID like symptoms. And although I didn't get tested, I'm gonna get tested um, tomorrow because that's the day my um, doctor was available. So from there, I went to my doctor, me and my siblings went to our doctor and um, she gave us a COVID test and it came back positive, obviously. So we had COVID and we were quarantined for like two weeks. And fortunate for my younger brother, he was able to get like a care package from the state of New York where it was like face masks, um, um what else uh hand sanitizer stuff like that what a care package from the state of new york Ooh. yeah so was it from the hospital i'm not i don't i don't remember but he definitely got a care package in the mail yeah. where he had like a face mask and like hand sanitizer and stuff like that and yeah and fortunate for them they were able to they were covid free after like two weeks but my symptoms went on for eight weeks so i was out of work for two months Oh wow! And then every time my job would call, they were like, "Hey, so like, how's everything? Like, like, can you send our um the testing in? Because every two weeks I'm supposed to get tested to see if I can return back to work. Mm-hmm. So every time I kept getting tested, it always came back um like um positive. Like yeah. I still had COVID for some reason. Wow. And so, and then even so, then my job was like, "Yeah, you know, don't worry. Shout out to Target also. Like they were paying me at the time." They were like, yeah, we understand that you're like, you're, you have COVID, but we're still going to pay you. So I was getting paid. I believe it was called emergency time off, something like that, where oh. they was paying you during that time if you had COVID. That so I was fortunate. 
great yeah especially like yeah. In our country wow. wow yeah that's great at target yeah they like i said target target took care of us during that time they took care of us they made sure like we were like well wow because imagine during a time where you have covid and you know bills are still coming in and you can't pay them because you have no job and that's what majority of the people had to go through during this time which was unfortunate yeah. but i was fortunate enough where my job took care of us wow that was all in 2020 yeah um that was 2020 yeah that was i believe that was yeah that was the end of 2020 mm -hmm. right yeah because you said yeah, you it was three months and yeah 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 and at that time we didn't have the vaccine yet so it was definitely i believe it was 2020 yeah it was the ending of 2020 to 2021 oh yeah the original strand was like the most severe so, yeah yeah, it was during that time. So it was around the ending of 2020 into 2021. So I didn't. I was out January of 2021 until I think it was March or April around there. That's when I returned back to work. And were you okay working? Like, were you like, did you have like shortness of breath or were you tired? Um, not that I recall. I had that, I had those symptoms like when I had COVID. That's when like, you know, I couldn't even walk down the block without like being out of breath. And it's weird because I use I usually use the stairs whenever I'm going downstairs. And even that I couldn't do. Like it was like people had different like reactions to it. Like one of my closest friends, he couldn't, he still didn't have his taste after like a few months. So yeah, he was one of the unfortunate ones who Basically, I'm not gonna say, well, unfortunate in the events that he couldn't have his taste, but fortunate enough he had his life. There's some people who end up dying, which yeah. was unfortunate. So yeah. yeah, it was rough times. Wow, it was, especially since you got it earlier, because they said the later strands were less harsh. I'm yeah. glad that you like got over it, you know, it took a while. Yeah, it definitely took a while. And I'm just happy that I was able to overcome it. And how long do they keep the mask policy? Because I think, did you still have to wear a mask in 2021 when you went to work? Yeah, we, we still had to wear a mask until, um, I believe the, when this, I believe when New York was like, you know, the mask uh, mandate wasn't like, um, they didn't have, it wasn't have to, it didn't have to be enforced. That's when, we didn't have to wear a mask anymore. Mm -hmm. So that was like maybe late 2021, early 2022. That's around the time I believe like we stopped wearing a mask. But from 2020 all the way to like until that time, we had to wear a mask. Oh, no yeah. matter what. Did you also have to stay six feet apart at work? Yeah, but that, it's, yeah, we did. But it was kind of hard to do that because. Like down, we work like downstairs and we work in an environment where we need, where there's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say it's like, a, like it was packed per se, but it was in a point, it was, it was like a situation where like we needed a few people downstairs where everybody had their own station. Everybody was able to pack their stuff. And, you know, obviously we weren't doing like hand to hand, like 
exchanges. Like we're, we were using things called U-boats. So you could put the packages on there. And if you were going to um, sort them onto pallets, like you would just take the U-boats and do that and just take them onto the, like, the pallets and stuff like that. Okay. And did Target have y'all, because I remember when I went shopping at Trader Joe's, we could only walk one way up certain aisles. Like you couldn't walk. Mm -hmm. Like, did they also do that at Target? Um, no, I don't, I don't remember. I guess I don't remember. Are, yeah, the aisles are probably bigger at Target than they are at Trader Joe's. Yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, yeah, and most and most people, like I said, they weren't coming into the stores. They were just ordering online. Oh, you did say that, right. So, like, so like a lot of the orders are coming for, like, online orders or for order pickup. So, like, we will spend, like, days, like, we'll spend, like, our shifts, like, downstairs packing, like, a bunch of hand sanitizers one by one because everybody was buying it. And imagine having to, like, prep, like, 100, 100 hand sanitizers all going to different people like it's very it's, it was tiring for sure and it was during the time where if you remember the mta would stop working at like two or was it uh one or two a.m so there were times where because at that time i was a closing member so i would leave work at like 12 close there was one time i left at like one one a.m because i was the only one downstairs at that time and i was fortunate once i got to the train station like the train was there about to leave. And if I didn't get, like, if I didn't get there on time, I would have to catch cab back home. So, yeah, it was. Mm. I did I ask you, were you living in Manhattan or where were you living? No, I was living in Bronx. In the Bronx? How yeah. How commute? Uh, on the train is not that far. It's probably like maybe 30 minutes. Oh, wow, that's quick. On the six or? Yeah. Oh yeah, on the six, on six train, yeah. But it's is that the distance from the sixth train to the target is a, is a it's a steep walk. It's like a few blocks. So imagine leaving like late and they have to walk those blocks to the train and it's about to leave soon. Like it's like this, there's some it's it's intense. You don't want to miss that train. Yeah, I can imagine. <clears throat> is it like a taxi? How do you know how much that would cost? Right. And, you know, at that time, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Lyft and Uber were hiking up the prices because, you know, because of the safety of the drivers and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah it wasn't cheap. Wow. Was it empty, the, the subways, when you were taking them? Yeah, like, during the time, during COVID, like, there were times where, like, you go in and you'll probably be, like, the only one in the train. And you'll be the only one in the car. Or there'll be, like, Maybe like five people and everybody's like spread out because there's so much room. Yeah. I remember it was a super clean. I remember they were cleaning all the time. Um, I'm not gonna say super clean, but it was like they did they definitely did their part. Like you could tell like they were uh there were times where um you go to like stations like 42nd or even like Brooklyn Bridge, City Hall, and then like you're just there cleaning up, like make sure they're wiping down the poles and stuff like that the seats sweeping yeah, so at that time like they were it wasn't super clean but they were definitely like making sure to keep it tidy yeah because at that point um people who were unhoused like the the mayor 
opened up mm -hmm. hotels for them to live in. So there weren't a lot of people sleeping on the subway, right? Yeah, I believe. Like, yeah, there was this thing where people were protesting because they didn't want um, the home, um, those, those unhoused yeah. to be in hotels near like those fancy neighborhoods. Like, they didn't want it. But I don't recall if, you know, they still went through with that project or not. I don't remember, because I remember, you know, I'm gonna look it up, because they were living in, in hotels for a, a while. Um, yeah, I believe there, yeah, there was, there was just one hotel in Manhattan, I forgot the name of it, but they wanted to turn into like a shelter for the, for the homeless. I, I remember that, because they were getting, I wish I I should have like done more research, but I remember that. Yeah. Huh. I shouldn't think. Um, did you go grocery shopping during the pandemic or did you order groceries? Yeah, we went shopping uh, at the supermarket. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. But then, uh, you know, like we had to like wait online and you have to be like six feet apart. So like you, you want to go shopping, but you can't because you got to wait for everybody else to be done. And then they tell you to go in. It's, it was like, it's like you know how you, you have the DMV and you got to go like, get, you got to be in a line and get like a ticket and stuff like that. It yeah. was kind of like that, except without the tickets. You got to just stand online and wait for everybody to come, like for those who are done shopping to come out before you're able to go in. Yeah. How Would you have a long wait? Was it like an hour or? uh no i think i think we're fortunate there's times whenever we went like there weren't there wasn't that much of a long line so we weren't online for too long but but there was just some other there was another supermarket next to my house where we could just walk in because it was just that big wow. wow yeah i'm trying to remember how like what was different so then when did you start going back to classes I went back to class on, it was in August, I believe August 2020, I think it's 2021 of August is when I went back to school, but it's because mm -hmm. yeah. I, I returned back because, like I said, I was, um, I was acting at the time, well, I did a short film and I wanted to pursue acting, however, like I realized my communication skills was like dwindling if that makes sense, because, you know, the interaction with people wasn't that much. Like, I was talking with people at work, but, like, there's so much you could talk about at work. So, and I realized that even the communications with them, like, it was either very short or, like, like, it was very, it was, like, I couldn't communicate with them properly. So I was, like, one, if I want to communicate better and also want to be, get into this profession of acting where I have to communicate, maybe I should go back to school where I could go back and, you know, have more interactions with people my age and even some professors or even people who are older than me who decided to return back and um, do their studies. So it was just a business decision. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to apply to these schools. Whichever one I get into, I'll return back. And also my uncle happened to give me a conversation because <laughs> he 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 saw he saw my younger brother and was like, "Hey, how's your brother doing?" And 
He's like, he's good. He's like, oh, so what school he goes to now? He's like, oh, he doesn't go to school no more. He, he's out of school now. And my uncle was like in shock. So he called me down and he was like, so like, I heard you're not in school no more. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I took a break. He was mm-hmm. like, why? And I was like, at that time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So then he goes, all right, so what's, what classes do you like? I was like, I like history. He's like, so why you don't go to school to be a historian? <laughs> and I was, I was laughing because I was like, realistically, I can't see myself doing that. But, you know, I, at that time, though, he didn't know I applied to schools, though. He just assumed that I was just home. But I didn't tell him that, you know, I was applying to schools because what if I didn't get in? Right. I didn't want to tell him, like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm going to school soon. Like, I wanted to wait to see if I got into any school first. And fortunate enough, I got into BMCC. And it's been a great experience. I went from being out of school, out of two different schools, having like not the best of grades to like my GPA being no lower than a 2.9. So I've been doing pretty well over there. I've met, I've met great professors. I've met some great um, students also. And, you know, it was a great experience over there. Are, um, are your classes in person or are any of them hybrid? Yeah, um, when I first started, like there was, I had a few, every semester I had like at least one class I was on that was virtual, but I personally wanted to go in person. So that was also one of my decisions of like when I was going back to school because I didn't want to do it through Zoom because I was like, I need that, I need that physical interaction with people. Like I need to be able to be, be next to people in front of them, behind them, wherever. I need to have that interaction where it's face-to-face, not through, like, a screen. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, and um, I also asked people um, if there's anyone who may have lost their life during the pandemic, if you want to memorialize their life. Um. I was fortunate. Um, no one in our immediate family or extended family that I know of um, passed away from COVID. Oh, good. To my knowledge. Yeah. So we were, we were one of the very lucky, lucky people. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. Wow. Yeah. I think, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about? Um. Not really. I mean, there's one thing I'll say, um, this is more of a joke, but if there's one thing COVID definitely changed is also like the way, like um, stealing went up hot, like stealing went up like at Target. <laughs> stealing went up like crazy during Target, like during the time. Cause as a security guard, as security guards, um, they can't touch you because of COVID. So people were just coming in when able to just come up like like nothing. They would, be, they would just come in, take what they want and leave. And like, you can't really do nothing because you can't touch them. So you can't really like even pull them to the side and be like, oh, like step to the office and stuff like that. You just have to let them go. And it's unfortunate because not only was it a loss for Target, the company itself, and there's also a loss for people who like really needed certain things. So like, that's one of the interesting things that we, we like I saw during like that time of COVID too, like a lot of theft. Wow. You know, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I do remember there are a lot of scammers stealing, like applying for government loans. And just, oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, making up businesses to get the loans. 
Yeah. But I didn't realize theft went up like in person. I guess because yeah. I wasn't shopping. I didn't start shopping in person until like 2022. Wow. Right, right, right. Oh, man. So like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So that's also one of the things too. Like when people order stuff and we want and we wanted to go like pick it up for them. And it's gone because either people bought it or or people just stole it. And like in the system, it'll be like, yeah, we have like 10 of them. And then you go there and everything is gone. And it's like, all right, so either people bought it or someone stole it. And it's usually like the latter. I wonder if it's, you know, I'm so curious. Like, is it they didn't have the income or it was just like the opportunity and they just took advantage of like. I think it was the opportunity. Uh, opportunity knocks you know people just do what they gotta do <laughs> you just they saw they saw opportunity where hey you know even one of my coworkers, she told me because there was a marshals in our and like above us she was like that yo like i was around there and somebody just came in took a whole rack of clothes and just left and they just watched them walk away with it and i was just like wow and they did nothing well i'm not gonna say they did nothing they couldn't do anything it's unfortunate, but that's one of the things also. And the PP and the PPP loans, I think that's what it's called, right? Yeah, and the PPP loans. Yeah. I think we don't we don't give enough. I'm not really into politics, but you know, I've heard that some politicians were taking those loans also, some yeah. into like the millions. And you know, we don't hold them accountable for stuff like that. But you know, we're all we're here to blame other people who basically did like the same thing. They were taking money that they didn't really need. And, you know, I'm not here to be like a saint or anything, but like, you know, that's some of the things we need to look at. No, you're right. I remember listening to podcasts where they talked about, yeah, like millionaires who were taking out PPP loans and still mm-hmm. laying off people. Like they were supposed to take it to pay their staff, but then laid off their staff. You're right. right. Yeah. Right. You're pocketing the money. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah, that's so true. Like, I, I I can't remember. There was this girl, a New Yorker, and she just, like, stole people's identities, and she was taking out loans in, in their names. She, she's been on a Wait, bunch of... Was huh? that the, the Anna, uh, the Anna lady? Oh, no. Did she? I know. Um, she had, like, other scams going on. Yeah, <laughs> did she pretend to be, like, a... Like royalty. Yeah, and, she's the one. Yeah. And she lived in all these hotels in Manhattan and yeah. had she couldn't like, afford them and stuff. Yeah, like her one of her friends had paid for the trip to Morocco. Yeah. yeah. There's so many scammers. Yeah, a lot of opportunists. Yeah. Wow. I'm glad you brought that up. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, that theft went up. Yeah, I mean, I would have noticed either if I wasn't like working and, and seeing like all that stuff. Yeah. So like you hear like on the walkies like, yo, Hotline 4, which is like code name for you. Yo, um, there might be there's somebody trying to steal or like like security switched to like this number. So we could talk on the walkie and where nobody would hear you, hear us. Uh, I wonder so, how many yeah. were like unemployed. I don't know. I'm so curious. Huh? I, the like the um people who are stealing. I wonder how many of them were unemployed. 
or if they were just always like shot pushers and they just did it more? Yeah, I think I think most of them were like the ones who like didn't really have they were just always shoplifters. It just like this around this time, like they were this is their time to like shine. Cause you know, like boomers was um, business was booming for them. Like they could just steal stuff with no repercussion. And like why not take the opportunity? Yeah. Wow. I'm gonna look into that. Cause I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna look into that. People that see if I can try to find people who are started stealing more during the pandemic. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that crazy. up. I never thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I used to find it as a joke because like, I just thought, you know, I find it funny that you could just steal something with like no repercussion and you can just get away with that for like almost a year and a half. I'm just like, yo. <laughs> And I used to just joke about it because it was funny to me. I knew that back then, if you stole something, like, you, they were on you, they'd be like, hey, listen, you got an option. Either you put it back and leave, or you take it and don't come back to the store. They give you an ultimatum. But now you could just do that and come back next week and do the same thing. Wow. Wow. No, I'm glad you talked about that. Yeah. Yo. Yo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these past three years was very interesting. Yeah. Do you feel like today, like, so your life has completely changed? Mm, not really. It's, it's interesting you, you brought that up because in my intercultural class, <laughs> we was watching a, um, I believe it was a seminar about um, things going back to normal, quote unquote. Right. And I was like, I was a bit quizzical because I was just like, I didn't understand like what normal was because to me, the most, the two most unnormal things during COVID was besides the disease was um, one, we had to wear a mask all the time. And that was more of an inconvenience, more than like a thing. And everything was virtual or mostly virtual and everything was through like um, appointments and stuff like that. But like, you know, most of that stuff has been like lifted. So like, to me, once I was able to go back to school and although, yeah, you didn't have to wear a mask, we still did it anyway. But like, that was like, the, like that was the only thing to me that was like unnormal per se. So to me, I feel like the normal already came. But to other people, what I heard, what I learned from that class was that some people like realized that because of the sickness now, they're more they're like, like because of COVID, they became more aware of things now. They realize like, you know, a lot of people are like in a disadvantage. Now a lot of people can afford to get groceries. Not a lot of people can make their rent. Not a lot of people could, you know, some people couldn't even get like the vaccine. Like it was so hard to get, but yeah. obviously, yeah. But, Cause I remember my dad, my, they, I believe it was people who were 65, or people with like um, pre-existing conditions could get the shot mm -hmm. before, when it first came out. And my dad tried getting the vaccine and it was so hard. It was like, it was so hard to just make an appointment. You know, I forgot about that. Like, yeah, you had to go to a website and try to schedule an appointment at like a, uh, like CVS or Walgreens or like, right. 
but this was that was prior that was prior to CVS. There was it was like you had to go to like a hospital. You had to go like to like um some hospitals who had like a like a vaccine location where you could get the shot. Or there was some spots like Yankee Stadium where they were like, you know, um there's a vaccine a vaccine area over there, and then oh. that's when later on it was like CVS, Walgreens, and stuff like that. Oh, that was early. Was this for people who were older? Is that what it was? Yeah, it was it was for people with pre-existing conditions at first, I believe. I think yeah. it was people with 65 pre-existing yeah. conditions. And then it went to like anybody with pre-existing conditions could get it. And then it went to like, all right, people from I think 18 and up could start getting it. Like they did it in like sections, I believe. I forgot like what was the criteria, but I knew the first one was for people who were like older more vulnerable yeah i forgot about that because i yeah because i was teaching i started teaching in person in spring of 2022 and i remember i was stressed about trying to get the vaccine because i was so scared mm. and then i ended up getting covid because i was teaching in person yeah yeah it was really hard to to find somewhere to get it yeah, it was it was very hard. Like, but fortunate, fortunate for us. Like, my dad was able to get it, then my mom was able to get it, and then everybody was able to get it. So it was. But the state of New York, like, also, like I like to say, the state of New York also did a good job because, um, after the time where people were where the people um, after like the phases was over where it was like people who were older and stuff like that. They would knock on doors to make sure, like, hey, if you didn't get the vaccine, you could sign up if there was one, like, near the area. Wow. You know, that's the one thing that New York City government, they really took care of, of everyone. Like, I mean, yeah. they did very well. They did yeah, a good job. They did. Thanks for bringing that up. I forgot about that. Yeah, they those are like some of the cross, like those are just things that like we have to deal with. And I just thought that, cause I don't know, I feel like, I think people realize that um, because like this was a more um, domestic problem, like people are more aware of it. Because I remember back in 2016, there was the Ebola outbreak and that only was a thing that, that was like, um, it was contagious, but it was cause unless you travel to places of like in Africa, like West Africa, like those were like the, like your chances were high of catching it over there. So like most, like most people didn't really think too hard about it. You know, Obama was able to like, you know, make sure, like keep it like um, contained, but like, but like compare that to like COVID, like it's two completely different pieces. And like, we didn't like, we, we didn't prepare for it at all. You know, I forgot about that, but you're right, because Ebola was highly contagious. I remember, yeah. I think the person flew into Texas, and they were, like, immediately quarantined by the military. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, like, and I don't know, I feel like people, I think at that time, people didn't really think too hard about it. Because they're like, oh, yeah, you know, it's a West African thing. 
So I, if I didn't travel to West Africa, you know, I didn't have to worry about it, right? Like there was a possibility of you being like, like contagious, but because COVID was like airborne, and I think Ebola was through, um, I think it was bodily fluids, right? I think if you was yeah. like sweat, stuff like that, I or like saliva, so. yeah. But COVID was airborne, so it was able to travel quicker. And yeah, but like I said, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it was it was a shock to people who were like more, um, when we talk about this in class, I feel like it was more for people who were, what's the word I'm looking for? They weren't like, I'm not going to say um, the ones who are in disadvantage, but the ones who are more, um, who had more, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh my God. You mean like more privileges? Yeah, people who are more like, who are more like better off financially and stuff like that. People who had like the better jobs, like it hit them, I feel like it hit them harder because they felt like, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like they weren't like aware of like how, like how quickly you could lose things or like how, um, how fast, like how fast, like how, how like they don't know I don't think they knew what real struggle was until they came to that. So I mean people who are like less privileged, you know, I feel like they are more they I'm not gonna say they prepared more for, for it, but they know of like struggle and they know how to make things work. Cause I mean I don't know. Like that's how I that's how I think of it. Cause yeah. I feel like because those who are, you know, financially better off, they left the city like the ones who live in New York, I'm pretty sure they left the city. They all went back to their homes or they went to like live with, um, they went to like their summer homes or whatnot. And I feel like compared that to like people who couldn't leave, like us, like we couldn't just go up and just be like, hey, you know, we're going to go to our summer house because we didn't have one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you can't just be like, yeah, you know, like we have a bunker underneath our basement. Well, we don't because... We live in a we live in an apartment building. Like we weren't we weren't fortunate, but like we had to like we had to see it through. We had yeah. to see it through. You know you're right because one of the professors who I met at that event at the forum um, at mm. Columbia, they said that they had a a home like either in Maine or Vermont, so they just left New York. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of people had homes somewhere else. And left yep. and like people like me, like I don't have a vacation home, like right, right. <laughs> in the city, like exactly. <laughs> not not all of us are fortunate like that. Yeah, I'm glad you. Yes. Yeah, a lot of people like. I don't know. I feel like. I feel like when the the less the people who are like, like they're not like financially off. Or like, I feel like they have more of a chip on their shoulders whenever things like this happen. It's more, I'm not sure if the chip on their shoulders is the right term, but like they're more, like, I'm not gonna say prepared either, but like they're more aware of things. Like, for example, I'm pretty sure like a lot of people, I know a lot of people didn't have health insurance. Like, in a, like where I live, I live in the South Bronx where a lot of people aren't like very, like, I think I, I um, out of the city, I think the Bronx is like the poorest. 
And so like not a lot of people are, are like not a lot of people are fortunate to have health insurance. So there's some people who just couldn't go, like who couldn't even afford to go to the hospital because like they didn't know like what that bill would look like, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I mean like I'm fortunate, like I'm I'm able to have Medicaid and I'm under my parents' insurance. But there's I know a lot of people who aren't as lucky as I am. So I don't know. I just feel like I think I give I give I give credit to those people. I feel like they're the more the more I feel like they're like they're like the survivors per se, because they're they're the ones who made things work with the least. Yeah. That's how I look at it. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Because I think about like this oral history project and that students in the future will listen to this to see what life was really like. Mm. Um, and so they can know like, like for you, a, a college student, what it was like for you. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. I was so excited to talk to you. I just. <laughs> thanks really for having me. If you have any friends <laughs> in like your age group, if you think they might want to talk, like I'd love to also interview them. Yeah, I'll, I'll reach out to some of my friends, see what, see if they're interested. Because I feel like everybody's story is completely different. I don't think everybody has the same story. They are. I was surprised at how different. Like I interviewed this woman, she had twin boys and she just moved to Italy. And I was like, you just, went to just like that she doesn't even speak italian and i was like she said it was like wow. a dream and she just did it like her because her sons were going to school online and mm -hmm. she said she had to get out of new york so yeah like and then your story about living in the bronx but still like going in person to work like mm -hmm. people need to hear that because so many people yeah. weren't going in person yep a lot of people were working like my mom and dad they were they were still going to work until my mom decided that she wanted a career change. And my dad was working too, through the whole thing. So, yeah. yeah. There's, there's people who had to just suck it up per se, and just had to go to work. They didn't have the, they didn't have the luxury to work from home. Right, like for some people it was a long vacation and other people were like, no, I was working in person. Like it was not right. a vacation. Right. Yeah, it was pedal to the metal, the whole three years, well, two and a half per se. Thank you, thank you so much yeah. for your time. I I really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Let's see. I don't know. I thought I didn't mm -hmm. think my COVID story would be this interesting, or interesting at all. Oh, it's fascinating. Are you kidding me? I think you're only. I was trying to think of how many people who were working in person that I've spoken to. Mm -hmm. uh, I interviewed like a medical assistant and her job was stressful. I, I can imagine. Yeah, I interviewed a nurse and she said that they were racist and they gave her the COVID patients because she was black. Um, wow. Yeah. I was like, wow. That's insane. So like, yeah, like everybody has such different stories. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Everybody's is different. Even, even people like, for example, like my siblings and my mom and dad, 
like they their stories would be different too because they could be like yeah like i think the only constant was we were living in the same home and we all did get sick but i'm pretty sure everybody's was like different like my sister she 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 was fortunate she was working from home because mm-hmm. she was able to work from home but and my but my brother like he was he started off from like at the beginning of the year he goes from starting his senior year of high school to so late being like hey you know your graduation is through a screen so like yeah. like his like all the fun stuff that me and my siblings have for like our senior years like prom and senior and senior trip and stuff like that he didn't have the luxury for that he wasn't fortunate to have that oh. and i feel like for those people who were like graduating high school in 2020 or graduating period in 2020 or like any like huge milestone like marriage or stuff like that like they had it rough yeah they had it rough wow yeah well yeah thank you you gave me so much to think about i i just i loved hearing your story so thank you so much thank you for having me Thank you for listening to my conversation on this episode of Black America and COVID, an oral history project. If you enjoyed the episode, then please give it five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. The more five stars the podcast has, the more visible it is, the more access I have to people who would like to share their story living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. If you are a Black American and you would like to share your experience with me, then email me at soniakillaboo at gmail.com. The email is in the show notes of the podcast. Or direct message me through my Instagram account, Black America and COVID, all one word, all lowercase. If you are a non-Black American and you would like to memorialize the life of a Black American sadly lost, during the COVID-19 pandemic, then email me as well. This episode was written, produced, and audio engineered by me, Sonia Jean Killebrew, podcast host and executive producer. Thanks for listening to my oral history project, Black America and COVID.